So it's a new year, and a lot of people have been declaring 2020, 2020 vision, 2020, all kinds of stuff. And uh, one of the things that uh, um, we do on our new year sometimes is getting upgrades. So I know some people have gotten some phone upgrades. Yes. Some people, uh, Microsoft uh, Windows 7 is uh, not going to be supported anymore. So some people have had to upgrade their computer to Windows 10. Some people, um, me, myself included, don't want to do the latest Mac upgrade because it will stop my 32-bit 30 applications from working. But upgrades actually have benefits. They bring out new tools, new features, and sometimes they take a lot of learning to be able to use your new tools and new features. And sometimes you have to decide how to move away from your old tools, like your 32-bit applications. Well, we're gonna talk about prayer upgrades today because a lot of us have been praying and there's all kinds of cool stuff about prayer out there, but I wanted to share a lot of the things that I've been learning and I've been researching, so I've had to narrow down my stuff, so we'll, we'll see how quickly I could go through all this fun things. <laughs> um, the great thing about God is that we have the ability to come to God. Uh, 1 John 5, 14 through 15, since we have this confidence, we can do, we can also have great boldness before him. For we present any request agreeable to his will. He will hear us, and if we know that he hears us in what we ask, we also know that we have obtained the request that we ask of him. So as God's kids, we could just go ask him things, and we can be confident that those things will get addressed, that those things that we ask for will happen. Sometimes in our mind, we view this petitioning as uh, peasants coming before a king. And, and that's not a really fun because we're actually supposed to be kings. Sometimes people have this type of view. So kids make out a wish list and they bring it to a Santa Claus and they hope that one night out of the year, Santa Claus delivers on that wish list. Amen. How much relationship, well, we know that Santa Claus is fictional, but how much relationship does a kid that actually, you know, has been told all this stuff, how much relationship does a kid have with Santa Claus? Very little. <laughs> it's a person that they just doesn't, they never see, they maybe one time see a representation of Santa Claus, and that person breaks into the house and drops them off a gift. It's not a really big relationship there. Sometimes we are a little bit more enlightened. Come on. Yay, technology. Try this again. There we go, okay. And um, we actually almost have a vending machine idea in our prayer. So I'll explain this. We do good works. You know, we, we do things that are good. We go and help people and serve people. And we, in our mind, collect these tokens. We get all these little tokens up and we save them. And then we really need something. Then we go spend the tokens for this prayer that we need. How much relationship do you have with your vending machine? Not too much. And it actually brings a kind of an odd behavior of trying to do good works so that you can receive good prayers. That God will answer your prayer if you do stuff. It, it, it creates something. We're supposed to do good work. We're, we are supposed to work. But that doesn't mean or not mean that our prayers get answered. Um, I was listening to some, uh, actually, 
This is a better representation of our prayers. This is a dad that has a very happy kid that is receiving a gift because, because. I don't see any birthday. I don't see any special decorations. But she's excited. It's a child and it's a family. I was listening to some things and found some tips to getting effective prayer. When we have joy and when we have thanksgiving, it actually makes our prayer. When we walk into prayer with joy and thanksgiving, it creates effective prayer. Another speaker said that um, when our, our most effective prayers are prayers of passion, and most of us only get passionate about prayer when there's pain. So you come to prayer and you're not very passionate, and then all of a sudden you have trauma in your life of some sort, and then you get passionate. It's, it's, there's a passion need to, you know, to, uh, to have that heart connection with God. And God really wants us to have a childlike approach. Um, another place, somebody mentioned that uh, one of the best ways to describe is when you're a newborn Christian, you're like a little baby, which is cool. When a baby cries, you have a very few set of needs that a baby needs. Let's say when a baby cries, they need milk. So you take care of the need. And then when the baby starts talking, you tell the baby, tell the child now that you should use your words. Crying is not, um, crying is not a way to get milk now. You need to ask. You need to use your words. Later on, you may have a, what, another way where they try to help them be able to get their own milk. So they may need to bring you a sippy cup. Bring me the cup, I'll pour it. And then later on, they could get their own milk out of the fridge. They get the glass, they get the milk. And then they become teenagers, and then they just want money. They could get their own milk now, <laughs> or juice, or milkshakes with hamburgers. And our relationship with God grows in the same example. He wants us to help co-labor. Co-labor in our prayer, co-labor in the things that we work with him on. So, has anybody ever thought what God's goals are? So, we know that one goal is salvation. Salvation for all of humanity. Not just the good people, we want all of humanity saved. And that's a really awesome goal. But after salvation, what is God's goal? Salvation is a start. God's further goal is to have friendship with all of us deep friendship. We see this in Hebrews 11.5. Faith lifted up Enoch from this life, and he was taken up into heaven. He, had never had, he never had to experience death. He disappeared from this world because God promoted him. For before he was translated to the heavenly realm, his life became a pleasure to God. Basically, he was so close in friendship with God, God just decided to skip death and take him to heaven anyways. We look at, um, at uh, the life, if you ever read the life of uh, Abraham and Moses, you have some conversations there that people don't have with God. I, 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 if you have it, go read them. It's interesting. Some of Moses' dialogue is so different from our normal Christian prayer life. It's candid, it's real, there's no facade, no supernatural, special, you know, it, no special spiritual stuff on it. Most people won't talk to God like that, but we might talk to our friend with it like that. Um, for example, um, most of the time, I, I know that, you know, sometimes you might be watching a game of football with a friend, and you might yell at your friend saying, hey, did you see that? That's cool. But most of the time, we don't yell at our friends. 
Sometimes we do whisper to our friends. Sometimes we get excited. Sometimes we show different emotion when we talk to our friends. But we have a face-to-face conversation in a way. Some people, it seems like God is miles away, not in the room with them, when we know he lives in us. So you can actually connect. And when you actually connect with God, it's not just that he is in you, but you are existing here on earth, and part of you is existing there in heaven, out, in, outside of eternity, or not outside eternity, in eternity, so that you're here and there at the same time, and you get to experience a piece of heaven. So one of the cool things is we need to upgrade our expectations. What do we expect? Sometimes when I pray with, uh, pray to God, I will feel heaven around me. Sometimes I will feel God's presence more manifest in, in front of me. Sometimes people hear uh, angels singing. Sometimes they start seeing visions, which is also really cool. Uh, I think I've had a few visions and stuff. Um, but you get to experience a little piece, a little window, a little open heaven of heaven. You get to open that window and look and see and hear and touch. Uh, some people even have taste and smell. Uh, people say Jesus has a very uh, beautiful aroma. So there, there's all kinds of really cool things. I found this one is a, a lower expectation. We don't have to have, it only takes one person to do a prayer. We don't have to have uh, 20 people join us. We don't have to have 1,000 people join us. We don't have to post a prayer on Facebook and hope everybody likes it. Your prayer is the important prayer. Uh, a majority is one person plus God. One person plus God. Elijah prayed, changed the economy, the environment, the, you know, the ecology, um, the agriculture of the country for three years. And then Elijah prayed and returned it back to normal. And that's one person. And if Elijah could do it and doesn't have the Holy Spirit living inside him, what can we do with the Holy Spirit living inside us? I uh, got to listen to Sean Sean Foyt speak uh, at a conference, and he actually showed how a lot of worship and prayer um, can... um, change the ecology, can change the economy. Things happen when we have worship and prayer. And it only takes one person. So every time we pray, we don't have to, um, we may not actually see what's going on. A testimony from Dan McCollum, he was a missionary, and he, his, uh, he was at a missionary in another country, and he has gone to the end of his uh, feeling. He, he hasn't gotten a, a second wind. He, he's just tired, he's drained, he's been ministering, he's been dealing with different things. And then all of a sudden, he felt a second wind. He's like, ooh, that felt, that God just kind of came on him, and he just felt energized and able to go much longer. But when he did that, he likes to check the time. And he found out back home at that same time that he got that second win was the same time that his home church was praying for missionaries. That's not a coincidence. You may not hear that testimony for later, you don't know what your prayers actually do sometimes. You may not know. 
one of the things he says, if you're field called to pray for presidents and people in political office, pick one, pray and prophesy over them, and then go read the news. You may have to find some different news channels because uh, sometimes they're very biased, but uh, just go look, read, and watch your prophecies and prayers start to come about in little ways. It's actually really cool to try to do things. Um, every time we pray for a pastor, we put a hedging protection and covering over him. We help him. We don't know what he's doing that day. But God knows. Uh, let's see. Oh, okay. I was trying to figure out why my numbers were out of order, and then I was like, oh, yeah, okay. It's okay. Let's see, 9, 10, 11. Oops. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> yes. Matthew 6, 8. Is it working? Okay. Oh. Yeah, lovely. Okay. So, Matthew 6, 8, we learned to, uh, uh, don't be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Uh, one pastor did an experiment. He stopped praying his needs. He only prayed his wants. And he, it came out very interesting. Uh, I, I'll tell you a handful of little details on it. Um, for a while, his prayer life was very, very quiet because he realized he was praying from need. When somebody comes up to the prayer line and they need healing, you're like, how do I make this a, not a need? <laughs> I, I need this to happen. Well, maybe you want it to happen. You know, he had to figure out how to pray everything as a want, not a need. Um, the other funny thing that happened in this thing is that he got to a point he couldn't pay for coffee. He would go to pay for coffee and somebody already paid for him. And for about a month, it was kind of cool. He would go and be like, hi, I'd like to get my coffee. And they said, oh, I'll, let me pay for you. Before he could pull his wallet out, they'd pay for him. At about a month, two months, it started getting annoying. <laughs> he realized he hit the end of his blessing and that, uh, you know, he was like, uh, uh, I don't need, you know, I'll pay for my own coffee. It's only a dollar. <laughs> he even had people that don't like coffee, bought coffee, had it in their hands, walked up and said, I have no idea why I buy this. I bought my co this coffee. I don't even like coffee. Would you like it? <laughs> He had people supplying him coffee beans. They just like, here, here's coffee beans for you. So God knows what you actually want. Um, many people with kids sometimes come up with wants. Like uh, one I, I remember is like a joke is, yes, I want this, this, and I want a pony. Not many people have the ability to have a pony in their house or apartment. It requires a lot more upkeep than a goldfish. And we know that the goldfish will actually show if a kid could steward taking care of a goldfish because goldfish requires a little bit of food and about once a month cleaning of the tank. And if they can't steward a goldfish, they probably will not steward a kitty or a puppy, and definitely not steward a pony. So sometimes when we have wants, we might be wanting something that we're not able to steward. And God's wise and doesn't want to give us more than we can handle. But what we do as parents is like when our kid gets interested in drawing, 
We'll go to the store and we'll buy them pencils and paper. And oh, they're taking off. We'll go get them the nice pencils and the nice paper. And we steward what their interests are. If your kid starts getting interested in football, okay, here's a football. Let's go out and practice coach this. Let's go join a team. You take your, you, the mom and dad look at their kids' interests and say, ooh, let's pour into that. That's a, that's a want. And the kid doesn't necessarily have to say, I want to play football. They can just have an interest that we see. And God likes to do that. We have an interest in doing this. Things will happen and doors will open. Um, let's see. So I need slide 12 imagination. Let's see if it works. Yay. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> I know. I think I hit it and it to turn the blank one on. Uh, one of the things God wants us to also do is upgrade our imagination. When sometimes our prayers are unanswered, sometimes when it's not because we're not playing, praying long enough or not praying loud enough or doing something, it's not, we're not praying big enough. God is a king that's trying to give to kings, and he's trying to teach us to be kings. So sometimes he wants us to enlarge our imagination and enlarge our thinking. Um, Hebrews 10:39. But we are certainly not those who are held back by fear and perish. We are among those who have faith and experience true life. The most disappointing thing that we could do as Christians is to live a, an explainable life. Impossible should be our daily target. 2008, um, I was so sick that I could not stand for more than five minutes. Me standing here on the stage for more than five minutes is a miracle. That is God working in my life. When we have healings, I, I went to the healing room in Summit yesterday to serve, and we had a lady that had a tendon that was dis, uh, uh, she had to, it was detached. So anytime she moved her finger like that, it would hurt. We prayed, and she had she took the splint out. She's like, okay, we'll test it. She's like. And then all of a sudden, there's shock in her face going, there's no pain. We told her, okay, well, be, go ahead, test it, be careful with it. When you go to the doctor, keep your healing and see if they don't need surgery. Because that is a blessing, be able to do the MRA and say, hey, everything's healed. Good. That's not just testimony that we got to share, but it's testimony that the doctor gets to see because they already had things that said that the tendon was messed up. We have, our, we have an ability to live a, a, a life that, you know, we could say we were here, but God. We are here, but God did this. We are here, but God did this, and now I am here. Uh, let's see. I need 14, team. So God has, God has a bunch of promises in the Bible. There are 7,700 promises in the Bible. And he has solutions for every single mess. Um, we can turn our prayer time into a team meeting. Um, you see the football people huddle, and then they discuss some things, and then they break out of the huddle, and they're excited. They're ready to go because they have now have a new strategy to win the game. Um, there is a pastor that was having problems feeding his family because of finances, and he was trying to fix, repair a hunting bow so he could go get 
go hunt and get some deer or whatever was in season to feed his family. And he was praying while he was fixing his bow. And God basically spoke to him and said, I have solutions for all of, world's, all of the world's problems. Ask me and I will give you a solution. And so he asked to make a better bow. God gave them the blueprints for a better bow. He patented the blueprints, sold it, and he doesn't have to worry about income anymore. He and his family are covered financially, completely. And he could focus on just being a minister and not have to worry about finances. I think that promise goes, actually, that promise goes to all of us. What world problem, even a personal problem, do you want to solve? God has a solution. There was uh, somebody that took a hands, and I'm not going to do a survey, but um, he asked people to raise their hands. If they thought of a cool idea, put it off to the side, and then saw it on TV about three months later. You know, one of those gadgets on TV. I need something to open a jar. I need something to do this. That you had a, like, ooh, this would be cool. Do this, and that might work. And then you shift the idea aside. What if the idea you had was actually downloaded from heaven? And somebody else got the same download and then decided to go with it. So maybe simple things are really cool. Um, one of the things I keep seeing in the news is people uh, complaining about our environment. And it's a valid complaint. We, are, we have made a mess. I believe God has ways that we can find things to fix those. There are mushrooms that eat plastic and styrofoam. There are algae that eat plastic. And they are actually, there are ways to provide things that the world needs. And us, having a connection to God, can bring those things from heaven in our prayer time. God gives us the information, and then we do something with it. Or at least find somebody to help something to do something with, because sometimes you may have an idea, and you may have to partner with a business, but that's, that's a whole different thing. <laughs> but the thing is, use some of your, you can creatively use your prayer time for having team meetings. Something's on your heart, okay, God, what are we going to do? How can we fix this? Okay, let's see if I have the next one on here. 13, 14, 15. Okay, yeah, 15. I guess I forgot the other one. Um, the next upgrade we could do is upgrading our joy. So Isaiah 56, 7, I welcome you into my holy mountain and make a joyful and make you joyful in my house of prayer. Sometimes people can get bored in prayer because they're doing the same thing over and over again, which is the definition of insanity. You do the same thing over and over and expect to get results. It's, um, I know there's like a cartoon of somebody trying to pull the push door or push the pull door it doesn't matter how many times you try to do the opposite that the door is intended to do. It's not going to work. And sometimes we apply that same thing to praying. We have a memorized prayer. Now, memorization is actually wonderful for learning scripture. It's wonderful for learning different things. It's wonderful for maybe a child beginning to learn what to say when you pray for dinner, not when you pray for your cat. So, you know, you, have, you, can, you can help do a structure. But the thing is, after the structure's there, prayer is supposed to be more spontaneous and more flowing. Um, yeah, uh, I, I encourage memorizing God's word. It's awesome, but 
taking and taking a um, a set, you know, 25 lines and making that your prayer time. I'm sure God has found creative things to do with your prayer time. He might pay bingo or something. I don't know. Um, let's see, 13. Uh, slide 16. So I uh, put different types of prayers. You could actually go online and look at some other things. Some people are really great with having a prayer list. Some people are. Um, where you have a list and you pray from that list, and that's beautiful. And I'm sure, you know, there, there, is, a, there is a special way to do that. Uh, there is uh, Thanksgiving just sitting and giving thanks to God. You don't have to do anything else. Just, you know, spend some time giving thanks. Uh, another one is declarations. Declarations can be that memorization type thing, but when, uh, yeah, I'll break out from here. Um, we have our angels that protect us. We have our angels meant for dispatch. And when you, when you, God's a steward of resources, and when you use your dispatch angels, you get assigned more. The more you learn to dispatch angels, the more angels you get to dispatch. And when we declare something on earth that is also ringing true in heaven, when we take our prophecy and we declare it, when we take a word that a promise God made and declare it, we dispatch angels to go do that. And same thing with the next one, scripture. But scripture is not just reading scripture. It's not just taking Psalm 91 and reading it from top to bottom. You might start there. But what you're supposed to do with scripture prayer is, yet you, is that you use it as a base of a meditation prayer. You, you take it and you like read, um, I'm just gonna go to Psalms 23 because everybody knows, the Lord is my shepherd. Oh God, thank you for being my shepherd. You're a wonderful shepherd. Now that doesn't ha that's not in the scripture, but that's flowing out, it's outflow, it's spontaneous outflow from the scripture. And the last one is waiting in stillness or soaking. That one is sometimes a hard one to do. And um, most of us, when we talk to a friend, we don't just say everything on our mind, goodbye, and take off. We may say, hi, I've had a horrible day. This is what happened. What do you think? And then you pause, and they respond. And they may say, well, I've had a horrible day, too. <laughs> so, you know, there, there's conversation. It's a back and forth thing. The same thing goes in prayer is sometimes we need to listen. Waiting, stillness, and soaking is about listening. And some people, it's like, well, what do I do? Well, you try to be quiet and listen to what God wants to show you today. And you can start at God. I'm just going to play some quiet music, and I'm just going to spend the next 10 minutes just listening for you. And then dedicate, you know, your, your eyes, your ears, your, you know, everything to be listening. Like, I'm going to listen for you, and I'm just going to wait and see what you say or see what you want to do. That's the waiting, stillness, and soaking. And some of us have so much busyness inside of it, it's hard to do so. Um, this is a quote from Dan McCollum. God, you don't have to talk to me. I don't have to talk to you either. I'm going to learn to be still in your presence and quiet my mind. And then he says he takes a piece of paper, and if something gets distracts him, he just writes it down. You know, And then later he goes back to the paper and sees something on the paper was something that God responded. But he wants to stay connected to God in that moment, in that 10, 
minutes or so. Uh, let's see. Do I have a next one for this one? No, we're not going to go there yet. Okay. So, like I mentioned, some people are excellent with schedules and prayer lists. Um, and that is a blessing to you guys. You can, you have the opportunity to wake up in this joyful mood and connect with God. And you spend a certain scheduled time to do your prayer. And you have a list that in a certain point in time, you start praying your list. And that is beautiful. There are others of us that have interesting, interesting schedules that don't always, we could say, God, good morning, I need to grab my coffee and take off. <laughs> well, put clothes on, take, grab coffee and take off. <laughs> because sometimes our days are like that. Sometimes I get woken up with a phone call from work and I'm basically talking to the person on the phone while getting dressed so that I can go jump on the computer and do what I need to do. So the question is, how do we interpret pray first? And some of it, I'm going to break you guys that can't uh, do a schedule free here in a moment. So this I do will take a poll. How many people are morning people? You wake up cheerful. You just enjoy the morning. How many people are night people? You're just alive at night. Your brain works. You're just like enthused. So it's interesting that sometimes God puts a morning person and a night person together. And there's also people that are in between people. And I think the reason he puts people together like that is so that all, somebody's always awake. <laughs> Somebody is ready. Somebody is watching the other person. <laughs> so when is first in the day? So some of us get in the idea that first of the day is like 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock when the alarm clock goes off. In our current uh, this calendar idea, first of the day is actually midnight. So all you night people, you actually can pray at midnight and be first. <laughs> because that's when your brain's alive. In the Jewish calendar, when's the first of the day? All, this, all the holidays, all the things, when you actually read the Bible, go from sunset to sunset. So you have three times to choose from. <laughs> the pastor I've been listening to a lot of this stuff on prayer first, he spends uh, about six months of his life as an itinerant minister. So he may be in an airplane and never see night. He may be uh, in his morning or his night. He's, he's a musician, so he is a, he's, a, um, he's definitely a night person. His wife's a morning person. Uh, he will be in other countries, and his schedule is flip-flopped. So he has found, he, for a while it just hurt him that he could not pray first thing in the morning as beautifully as, as his wife could. So he found a new technique. And he wasn't a very good list, people because, list person because he couldn't, do a new, he couldn't keep a schedule. His schedule would change. And... Uh, listening to some of his other stuff, uh, there's times that he would be preaching until he collapsed from tiredness and then preaching again because of the uh, offer he got for where, you know, some of the countries uh, don't, it was actually in China that this happened where he went in and they just kept pulling on him to preach and preach and preach. And they tag team, they went through like seven interpreters and stuff like that as they were just going and so when you have a schedule like that, when do you pray? <laughs> so he did, he has a cool thing is like if you don't make an occasion to pray, you have to find other ways to make occasions. Oh, now my password went out. Slides. Uh, 18, yeah. So these are a couple of his. He uh, 
does something called prayer triggers. Uh, if he hears an emergency siren, he prays for the first responders. Anytime a police, ambulance, it, he just prays for the first responders. Anytime he sees the numbers 911, uh, you have two opportunities on the clock, uh, depending on you know, temperatures or other stuff or stuff like that, you might see it other places. Anytime he sees the numbers 911, he might actually see it on a telephone. He prays for the safety of our nation. Um, he has a friend that is in Homeland Security and they catch a lot more attacks to the nation than we know about. So we hear the really big attacks, but there's a lot that actually get thwarted. Um, another one he does, and he says this might lead to uh, too much prayer, well, not too much prayer, but um, any times there's negative words against our leaders. And if you watch the news, that might be praying almost continuously. But he, anytime he hears a negative report, he prays about it. It's not a really big prayer, not a really long prayer, but he prays about the safety of our leaders and their families. Um, one of the ones that I do is um, when I hear the emergency sirens, I usually bless the ambulance or fire or whatever I see for whatever's going on. Sometimes I know what's going on because I just passed the accident. Um, sometimes I have special numbers when I see them, I give thanks. I give thanks for God's goodness, God's, you know, I, just, I find my own prayer triggers. Um, anytime that somebody's face that I know comes up in a dream, I try to remember to pray for them that morning. If you are sitting there and you're like, hmm, I wonder how George is doing. Wait a minute. That's a trigger to pray for George. Because that's a, you can't pray too much for somebody. So if George is doing great and you just prayed for George, awesome. But how many know that George might need wisdom? George might need protection. George might need something. So we don't know. What, what happens, but sometimes when I think of somebody, I will pray for them, but I also text them, hey, how are you doing? And they're like, oh, I need prayer. Hey, guess what? That was the Holy Spirit talking to me. <laughs> so anytime I dream about somebody, hear somebody's name, think of somebody, that's a trigger for me to pray for them. Um, in prayer, somebody showed a, or um, shared a way to remember to pray for people when you can't have your list ready is to pray for them immediately after they ask for prayer. That's a good way to make sure that you at least prayed once. And then you try to remember. It. Um, sometimes I even just pray for somebody that gets recalled to my prayer list when somebody just mentions a name. So I look for things, a way, different ways to actually come up with prayer triggers. So in a sense, you could kind of make it a game to find excuses to pray for people, occasions. Just uh, find, you know, just, just make it a part of your day. Um, so that's some way to help, you know, be praying. Uh, I'm, yeah, that'll work. So another really cool thing I heard, and this is a calendar, don't worry about the calendar and the dates and everything, is something that God's kind of spurred me to start doing again. Um, there's a wonderful sermon on this that I don't have all the information front on top of my head, but it's called Praying Your 52s. So when you are in a crisis, this is the other idea of praying first. When you're in a crisis, you ask for what you need now. And in a sense, you're seeding this week. You're putting, God, I need wisdom this week. But cool thing is that we could pray for wisdom next week. We could pray for wisdom three weeks from now. 
And this takes a lot of trust to Holy Spirit because uh, I've tried to track it and I can't keep track of it because that's just my brain. But we can pray for anything and sow seed into that week so that when we walk into that week, we have that much growth of our seed or that much growth of our seed. So the challenge is to pray 52 weeks. That's the calendar. There's 52 weeks in a year. So you pray, this week I need this. This week, let's plant this. Let's, this week, let's plant this. And you just basically count up to 52, however you feel like counting, whether you're paper or tally counter or have a little app on your phone that counts. Or you look at a calendar and you just pray 52 weeks out. And then the next week, pray another 52 weeks out. You're always walking a harvest of something. And you have to trust the Holy Spirit is giving you the right seed to throw out. But it, it's a partnership. So sometimes I sit there and I'm like, okay, on week three, Holy Spirit, what do I need? I need worship. Okay, I don't know why I need worship, but week three I need worship. And you throw it out there. And the person I learned this from was even challenged to pray 52 years after praying 52 weeks. And he's like, you know, God, I may not be alive in 52 years. Because at the time he'd give the message, he was 50. That would be 102. He is seeding into his children and grandchildren. And it's a beautiful, fun thing to do. And this is one you only do once a week. So yeah, that one's kind of fun. Um, okay, yes. So some of us get concerned that we don't pray long enough. And kind of cool, Smith Wigglesworth said he hardly ever prayed more than 20 minutes. But he also hardly ever went 20 minutes without prayer. So our prayers don't have to be long. But if, if you go through the day and you have a friend beside you, most of the time you have conversations. Jason and I go on a long drive. We sit there, we talk in the car for 10 hours. You know, it's, it's cool, it's fun. Um, you're, you're, you're at work, you have coworkers, you talk through them throughout the day. Why aren't we talking to Jesus throughout the day? Hey God, I just found this really cute cat video. What do you think of it? <laughs> it sounds silly, but you're, you're expressing your heart. God, I just saw this really bad news. Somebody needs to do something about it. Um, so do we need angels here? Uh, do we need something here? Okay, pray for angels, yeah. Okay, they need wisdom. Oh yeah, they definitely need wisdom. We'll give them wisdom. You just basically keep a conversation going. One cool story from Bill Johnson on this is that he keeps his passion connection to God. Uh, he tells uh, a story about when it was really, really cold and he wanted a hot shower in the morning. So he lived uh, in a house where his, his bathroom was far away from the water heater. So he sat there and he took his hot water and trickled it, kind of like we do in the wintertime to keep the pipes from freezing, but he chose hot water. And the hot water trickle all through the night meant that as soon as he turned the hot water on in the morning, it was instantly hot. If we keep up a small conversation throughout the day, it is easy to jump in and have that passionate prayer. And whether you're praying at 6 p.m. when it sunsets, you know, grab a cup of uh, hot chocolate and watch the sunset and talk to Jesus, or praying at midnight, or waiting till morning and praying till morning. I invite you to find new ways to upgrade your prayers. 
because this is a season of upgrades. This is a season of upgrading our vision. So find new ways. Even if you're very experienced in prayer and have tried this and tried this and tried this and you have your habits, just find something new because it can be fun. It can be enjoyable. You can break open something you've never seen before. Um, God is a very creative person. He is the most creative person in existence. And he has new things to show you if the angels that circle the throne keep finding things to say, oh, wow, that is awesome. That's amazing. I've never seen this before. And the angels have been doing that longer than we have, than any of us have. So I invite you to get a new vision, an upgrade. So thank you, God. Thank you that we are able to um, partner with you, that we are able to come to the throne room, that we are able to go spend uh, time in our secret place, which may not be the throne room. It may be a mountainside hill next to a lake. It may be the beach. We get to spend that time with you. And you are in us, and you are with us every day, and you're walking beside us every day. And you just want us to verbalize the things in our heart. You want us to share um, what we see in the world through our eyes and share our heart with you. You want us to partner with you as we grow. So thank you for the growth, and thank you for that invitation to be with you. Amen.